I want to explain to you how manufacturing consent, Noam Chomsky's famous manufacturing consent, how it actually works. So if you haven't noticed, the corporate media, the corporate media has become a little bit more friendly to Elizabeth Warren uh, in recent weeks. They're not as against Elizabeth Warren uh, over the last few weeks. Maybe it has to do with the fact that she kind of has been a little bit more quiet on Medicare for All. She's talked more in generalities about Medicare for All. If you want an example, uh, here is the New York Times uh, did something where they interviewed uh, candidates on their positions. If I could find it. Here's Elizabeth Warren on Medicare for All. Yes. Look, and in fact, I'd be focused on three things. The first is we need to defend the Affordable Care Act. The Republicans are still attacking it. Lawsuit down in Texas. HHS is doing everything they can to take the legs out of it. Second thing we need to do, uh, we need to pick off the things that are easy, reduce the cost of prescription drugs. I've got a bill to reduce the cost of generic drugs. Uh, we need a consumer's bill of rights for insurance, private insurance, so that people don't get ripped off. Uh, same kind of deal I set up for credit card companies. That's part two. And part three, we got to keep moving us to a place where everybody is covered at the lowest possible cost. And there are a lot of different ways to get there. Medicare for all has a lot of different paths for how we get there. But ultimately, it's about making sure that we all adhere to the basic principle. Healthcare is a basic human right. It is our collective responsibility to make sure everybody gets coverage at the lowest possible cost. And Medicare, best way to get there. There's no other way of saying that. There's no other way of saying other than she's moving away from being firmly, concretely, unwaveringly against, excuse me, for Medicare for all. I mean, that answer, frankly, was a big word salad. Uh, and it, you know, there's, a, there's many pathways to get there. And, you know, the things she's saying, like lowering prescription drugs and doing all these things, yes, we all agree with that. But the bottom line is, the only candidate, and by the way, Elizabeth Warren was firmly pushing Medicare for all, when she first started this campaign. So something has changed since then to now she's talking about there's different pathways to get there. And, you know, there's a lot of different options when it comes to Medicare for all. This is the same talking points we hear from people like Beto O'Rourke, from people like Kamala Harris, from people like Amy Klobuchar, from people like um, Joe Biden. It's, it's, yes, and when she talks about, you know, I think we need to get to the path. This is all ways of straddling the line to make it sound like you're for universal health care without firmly actually saying, I'm for Medicare for all, period. So on one hand, the things she's saying are not wrong. We do need to lower prescription drugs in this country. We do need a consumer, bi consumer bill of rights. But she's very clearly moonwalking away from Medicare for all. And it bothers me to say it because honestly, I'm not like, you know, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not with 
Jimmy and some others uh, as far as if Elizabeth Warren was the nominee, if she was the nominee, I personally would vote for her. Some of you don't like that. That's fine. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I'm also not going to lie to you. I don't think Elizabeth Warren is anywhere even in the same category as like a, as like a Hillary Clinton. It's not like a, you know, terrible lesser of two evils. She's way more progressive than Hillary, um, Hillary Clinton. And I don't want uh, four more years of Donald Trump. So if Elizabeth Warren was the nominee, I personally would vote for her. But that's irrelevant now because she's not the nominee. But I will not turn the other way. I would not, I will not turn the other way if she is basically trying to moonwalk away from being a capital P progressive, essentially, essentially to endear herself to the establishment. Hey, hey, Dizzy, I, I, I don't know if you heard what I said. I said, I'm not going to tell my viewers who to vote for. I'm telling you what I personally would do. You vote for whoever you want. I'm not shaming anyone. You could vote however you want. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you my personal opinion. So I don't like this moving away from Medicare for all. I don't like this word salad of, medi you know, there's pathways and this and that, because to me, that signifies how do I know if you are elected, you're actually going to fight for this? How do I know? How do I know? I don't. Now, if Bernie Sanders was the president, you know, we can't live in a we can't live in glass houses. There still would be probably Mitch McConnell would be the Senate leader and all this. So it's not like Medicare for all for all, Medicare for all would happen like like that. But at least we know, at least we know Bernie Sanders is going to fight for it. I don't get that same feeling from Elizabeth Warren. And Jen uh, did a great piece on this. Go to statuscoup.com right now to read along. But Jen did a great piece documenting, I mean, it's clear as day that Elizabeth Warren is moonwalking away from Medicare for all. A and some might say, well, Jordan, she's got to, you know, play ball with the establishment and she's trying to get, um, that's the police coming for Elizabeth Warren saying you better not moonwalk away from Medicare for all. Elizabeth Warren has been cheered on by the media for her, I have a plan for that charm. But one plan she seems to be talking less and less about on the campaign trail is the signature progressive issue of Medicare for all. The Massachusetts senator has recently come under fire for moving away from and being too vague on her support for Medicare for all, a policy that a Reuters poll last year found 70% of Americans overall, 85% of Democrats, and 52% of Republicans support. It's the leading issue people want to hear about. This makes it very curious why Warren, who has long been considered a, a progressive on economic issues, hasn't focused much on Medicare for all in recent weeks on the campaign trail, unlike her main progressive challenger, Bernie Sanders, who obviously champions the need for Medicare for all at length during every speech and media interview. And those in the progressive all or nothing Medicare for all circles have noticed that Warren, who is a co-sponsor of Sanders Medicare for all bill, is not putting this policy at the forefront of her campaign, or at least not in the right way. So here you have one of her events. And, uh, you know, I don't know who took the picture, but you got her policies there. 
you know, obviously pro-choice, make the wealthy pay their taxes, um, invest in green jobs, big structural change, affordable child care, cancel student debt. I mean, there's something missing there. Medicare for all. Then you got, you know, obviously Mike from the Humanist Report noticed this and did a video. Jacobin did a pretty good piece about how she's basically, basically diminishing Medicare for all. Then you had during her town hall with CNN, Warren's answer on health care was fairly vague and seeming to soften on concrete support for Medicare for all and eliminating private insurance. If you don't remember, she said, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders has a runway for that. I think we get everybody together and that's and that's what it is. If we, that's what it is, we'll decide. I've also co-sponsored other bills, including expanding Medicaid as another approach that we use. But what's really important to me about this is we never lose sight of what the center is, because the center is about making sure that every single person in this country gets the coverage that they need and it's at a price that they can afford. I'm sorry, folks, but that's a lot of hot air. That's that's hot air. She's not talking about concrete Medicare for all single payer program. In the first clip I showed you, the answer she gave to the New York Times is a whole lot of mishmash in the town hall with CNN. I don't even know what that means. Let's let's focus on the center. You're either for Medicare for all as the program that you're going to fight for or you're not. Sure, you could say, well, Jordan, politics, you have to compromise this and that. Well, you don't have to compromise before you're even elected. Yeah, I'm not against compromise at all. Bernie, if Bernie was president, he's going to have to compromise somewhat. He's not a dictator. But will you fight? Barack Obama did not fight for single payer. He gave Republicans, basically, uh, President Obama would start, would start negotiations giving the Republicans 50% of what they wanted. That's not how you negotiate. You have a firm position. You start over here with what you actually want, you do not, you do not compromise at first. You say, I want the sun, the moon, and the stars. The other side does the same, and then you slowly move. That's how negotiations are supposed to work. But she's already softening to the point where, I mean, in that statement to... CNN, Bernie has a runway for this, but I have other options and this and that. Well, I mean, the bottom line is the problem that is creating this basically have and have not system where people could die if they can't afford it is the marketplace. So Elizabeth Warren either believes that she could reform the healthcare marketplace to give everyone coverage and by saying reform the marketplace, keep private health insurance as a prevalent part of it or she doesn't because most other countries that have single payer, yeah, private health insurance exists. You could go to a private doctor if you want, but the dominant system is the government system. That's what we need in this country. Healthcare shouldn't be a commodity. Healthcare shouldn't be based on a marketplace. It should be a right of citizenship. This is the point. 
And she's not talking like that. This doesn't mean I don't like all of her policies. I don't want to be an extremist and say, oh, she's a corporate hack. She's not. She's not a corporate hack. However, she is playing ball with the establishment, and I don't like that. This is not the, during the primary is not the time to start, you know, moonwalking away from progressive policies, playing nice with the establishment. And this goes into an overall pattern of her exercising political calculations rather than just fighting for progressive change. I'm sorry, but you decided to keep quiet during the biggest progressive fight of the 21st century, and that was Bernie Sanders versus Hillary Clinton. You did that because you were making a political calculation. Now, my former colleague at TYT, Emma Viglin, said, well, she's a politician, Jordan. That's the point. That's the point. The reason Bernie Sanders has inspired a whole new generation of people that previously weren't into politics is because he's a politician that actually has some conviction. He doesn't play political ball on his core convictions. He doesn't play with the establishment on his core convictions. Senator Warren also said there could be a role for private insurance companies, a non-starter for many progressives from the Bernie Sanders wing of the progressive movement. And sounds more like she's putting out a plethora of platitudes rather than a concrete Medicare for all plan. And during a recent interview with the New York Times, Senator Warren answered a question on whether she favors expanding Obamacare or Medicare for all by seeming to suggest there are different options. Quote, there are a lot of different ways to get there, she said. Medicare for all has a lot of different paths. Uh, no, it doesn't. You're either, there's one path. It's complete government sponsored health insurance. That's it. Answers like this with progressives who don't accept any, answers like this with progressives who don't accept any compromise on Medicare for all, including on whether private health care is abolished or not. Some plans try to get away with incrementalism, proposing up a public option or something like a Medicare extra for all, which is in no way the same thing as Medicare for all. And of course, there are many Democrats advocating for expanding President Obama's Affordable Care Act, which was originally hatched out of the Conservative Heritage Foundation. Obamacare was a quintessential public-private market-based uh, program heavy on incrementalism. It helped the most vulnerable, particularly through the Medicaid expansion provision, but bent over backwards for insurance companies who ended up charging high enough rates, deductibles, and co-pays that many, many Americans simply can't afford the ACA. Although there's no reason to lump Warren in with typical quid pro quo corporate Democrats like, say, Nancy Pelosi, there's at least one contributor, uh, one contributor she's gotten that has connections to a more incremental healthcare philosophy. Warren received $28,103 to her campaign committee in 2018 from individuals working for Partners Healthcare, a nonprofit hospital and physicians network, which includes Brigham Young, Brigham and Women's Hospital uh, and Massachusetts General. Partners is the largest private employer, private employer in the state of Massachusetts, employing 74,000 workers. According to the Center for Responsive Politics, that money came from the organization Super PAC, their, their PACs, their individual members, or employers or owners, and those individuals' immediate families. So to be clear, to be clear on this, she received this money 
from Partners Healthcare, which is the largest private employer in Massachusetts. Uh, I looked on the open secrets. They, it was exclusively from individuals working for Partners Healthcare. So it didn't come from the, the, the hospital doesn't have like a pack. However, as in all of these donations, when you see high amounts from individuals working at these companies, it's not typically the janitors donating. It's typically owners of these, of these companies, in this case, a hospital, board members, high level people donating a lot of money. Uh, so Warren's campaign did point out to us, because we did reach out to them, of course, that it was individuals working for the hospital. However, you know, you would have to expect that, do you really think, you know, thousands of people from the hospital were donating to Elizabeth Warren to reach $28,000? I don't think so. It was more likely higher level people at the hospital that want to influence their hometown senator. So the reason, uh, and I don't think this is like super scandalous, but the reason there's some concerns with her accepting that money from Partners Healthcare, as Jen points out, Partners has been embroiled in a variety of scandals, including landing at the center of a U.S. antitrust probe, Warren supporting Medicare for All, and receiving tens of thousands of dollars from individuals working at Partners seems in conflict with one another, considering Partners' longtime CEO, David Torchiana, also serves on the board of directors and founders council of the nonprofit United States of Care. United States of Care is what some progressives have dubbed to be a bipartisan saboteur of Medicare for All efforts due to its championing of, quote, access to quality, affordable health care. A common talking point for those politicians trying to straddle the line between appearing to be for universal health care without firmly fighting for it. U.S. United States of CARE's chairman of the board is Andy Slavitt, the former acting head of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services under President Obama, who last year said, I believe that it's going to take a number of years from where we are today. Excuse me. What did you say? I believe that it's going to take a number of years from where we are today. So for someone who believes in single-payer Medicare for all, I hope that you could also be for other things that are good for people in the meantime. There's also the unfortunate fact that Bill Frist, a former Republican senator who pushed privatizing Medicare, is also on the board of directors. So let me be clear. Let me be clear, because I obviously want to be fair to Elizabeth Warren. I don't think Elizabeth Warren is Joe Biden. Okay, I don't want you guys to get the wrong idea. She's not Joe Biden. However, you know, she is accepting money from a hospital whose CEO is on a board of a company that basically preaches incrementalism rather than Medicare for all. There's no other way around that. She accepts money. It's not a direct connection, but she accepts money from a hospital whose CEO, not the janitor, the CEO is on a board of directors for the United States of Care who is not for Medicare for all now. They are for incremental steps in between. Invictus, Jordan is a little naive on Warren. See, here's why I think I'm, here, here's why I'm telling you I'm not. I don't, listen, I'm not gonna tell viewers how to vote. And I'm not, even if I chose to vote for Warren, if she was the nominee, I'm not gonna look the other way. I will cover her critically. 
because I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, if you're being corrupt, I'm going to cover it. I think I've shown you that. With that said, I don't want people to get to such an extreme where if it was Elizabeth Warren versus Donald Trump, they view that in the same lens of Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. In my opinion, it's not the same thing. And I think progressives would be doing a disservice to themselves to just say, I'm Bernie or bust. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, she's, she's not progressive enough for me, so I'm not going to vote for her. I don't look at Elizabeth Warren as like the lesser of two evils. I think she would be way more progressive than the other choices in the Democratic Party. I think she would be more progressive than Obama, than Bill Clinton. So I'm not personally, I'm not going to tell viewers what to do, but I'm not personally going to make it seem like, oh, she's a hack, she's a corporate, because I don't view her that way. She's not my cup of tea. She's not who I want. I want Bernie Sanders. But I think it's being a little short-sighted. For me, it's being a little short-sighted to compare her to Hillary Clinton. She's just not. I think she's fairly progressive on economic issues. I don't like her on foreign policy. I don't like that she has been missing in action on Standing Rock and other important progressive matters. And honestly, none of this matters because she's probably not going to be the nominee. I'm just trying to tell you, I think that some other hosts, who even ones I like, are a little more uh, narrow-minded than I am. And I said in 2014, in 2016, put a gun to my head, I'd take four years of Trump than eight years of Clinton. And I meant that. But I'm not going to, you know, another four years of Trump is a different story. So that's what I believe. If you don't like it, that's fine. If you want to call me a sellout, that's fine. If you want to unsubscribe, that's fine. But I'm not going to lie to you. That's what I believe. I would personally, if she was the nominee, uh, vote for her. But I don't really think it's even relevant because I don't think she's going to be the nominee. But I do think the establishment is trying to prop her up because she is doing things that the establishment likes like minimize and start moonwalking away for Medicare for all, which I think Jen is very meticulously in this story showing. So beyond the contributions from Partners Healthcare, Warren Warren has made some head-scratching statements that were received as out of touch among progressives. Last year, she responded to big pharma giant Pfizer's price gouging by proposing a bill that set a maximum out-of-pocket monthly cost for families of $500. And there's her tweet. She wrote, Pfizer promised it would raise, wouldn't raise prices, then turned around and raised them anyway. We can't count on drug companies to tackle rising drug costs, so Congress must. We could start by passing my bill to put a $500 monthly cap on what families pay for out-of-pocket prescriptions. Uh, I don't... I, I don't know what world Elizabeth Warren is living in that she thinks a $500 cap on medicine is like, what does she think that is? Affordable? Most people can't even afford a $400 emergency. 40% of Americans, and I think that number is low, but statistics say 40% of Americans can't even afford a $400 emergency. And you're calling for a $500 cap on medicine? Come on. Come on. So, quote, I don't know 
any family that could even afford that, one response to her tweet read. The majority of others called this proposal out of touch, considering almost half of American families can't even afford a $400 emergency, much less $500 in monthly out-of-pocket costs. Senator Warren's campaign website also seems to minimize Medicare for All. The 2018 version of the website for her senator's campaign, which Status Coup found using the Wayback Machine, included an entire section for health care and Medicare for All. But the current 2019 version of her presidential website does not include a section specifically for health care or Medicare for All. In fact, Medicare for All is mentioned just one time in the Rebuild the Middle Class section with an indirect reference to putting a down payment on Medicare for All. Jen reached out to the Warren campaign, obviously, and they wrote back, this is a broad issue page. We don't have a section for canceling student debt or universal free college. We don't have a section for her universal child care or for trade and green manufacturing. There are a number of issues that are not on the presidential website, but that were on her Senate reelect that are still priorities. Using a website page to measure a candidate's commitment to something makes zero sense. They also pointed out recent tweets clearly showing Warren's support for Medicare for All. Uh, here's a tweet where she writes, healthcare is a basic human right and we fight for basic human rights. When I lead the Democratic Party, we will be a party that says we're the wealthiest nation in the history of the world. So yes, we could afford Medicare for All. That was a tweet, I believe last week. And uh, here's a tweet, Warren and Massachusetts Senator uh, Ed Markey uh, boost Medicare for All. Uh, I don't really know what that means. Uh, Senator Warren's campaign also told Status Quo that she unequivocally supports Medicare for All. Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth believes Medicare for All is the only approach we could use to treat health care like the basic human right it is. She has said we need Medicare for All repeatedly. Uh, I got to call bullshit on that. I really have to call bullshit on that because I've just showed you several examples where she's hemming and hoing about Medicare for All. So no offense to her campaign people. I, we do appreciate that you got back to us. Joe Biden's campaign doesn't get back to us. Kamala Harris's campaign doesn't get back to us. So we appreciate that you're getting back to us. But when you say it's the, quote, only approach, when you say it's the only approach uh, that she supports, that's not true. I mean, I've already showed you. I showed you her answer to the New York Times. It said, oh, there's a lot of different options. I mean, her quote to CNN was talking about there's a lot of different options and we got to stick with the, you know, our compass should be the center. She's not talking. There's, there's a main, there's a big, there's a big gap between what her campaign is saying she's for and what's saying she won't compromise on and what Elizabeth Warren is saying, or more importantly, not saying. Jen finishes the story by writing, if Warren indeed supports Medicare for all with no caveats or compromise, large portions of progressive voters have not heard or seen enough to convince them she will be as fierce a fighter for it as Sanders, which is basically what I just told you. Warren will have an opportunity to soothe progressives' concerns or further dig, or further dig a ditch for herself when she gets on the debate stage uh, on night one. And, and there you go. There's the list uh, of people that she is uh, facing off. She'll be on the debate stage with Congresswoman Gabbard, Senator Cory Booker, former Congressman O'Rourke, Senator Amy Klobuchar, New York City uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio, and a bunch of other people that don't matter. So I'll put the link in the, in the super chat. Definitely uh, give this story that Jen worked on a read and share it. Sharing is caring. 
Also retweet it on Status Coup's Twitter. That's important too. Now that you know that basically Elizabeth Warren is moonwalking away from Medicare for all, now I wanna show you basically the corporate media and the establishment seems to be warming up to Elizabeth Warren. Let's take a look. Elizabeth Warren is on the rise. We are looking at new Monmouth University polls just into CNN. And while it shows presidential candidate Joe Biden uh, leading the pack among Democratic voters nationwide with more than double the support, it's the battle really for the number two spot that's turning heads here. Elizabeth Warren has surged 5% from last month, and she is now neck and neck with Bernie Sanders, virtually tied for second place. Joining me now is Patrick Murray. He is the director of the Monmouth University Institute, uh, Polling Institute. So this is quite the move that we're seeing here by Elizabeth Warren. Do, do you know why we're seeing this? Yeah, she's solidifying her support among liberals, liberal voters. Right this now. new look at uh, where the 2020 Democratic hopefuls stand. And the big news is uh, actually who's in second place now. Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senator Bernie Sanders are neck and neck for second in this new Monmouth University poll. Uh, former Vice President Joe Biden is still top of the list with 32 uh, percent. This is just the latest poll showing Warren picking up momentum. And with me now, staff writer for The New Yorker, Sheila Kohakar, is with me. Her new profile is in the June 24th issue of The New Yorker. She was with Warren on the campaign trail uh, and at her home. So a pleasure to meet. So the reason I uh, the reason I showed you those two polls is very important because I used to work in cable news, so I know exactly what they're doing. This is called driving the narrative. They're driving a narrative that Liz Elizabeth Warren is rising and Bernie Sanders is falling. But what they just did there is wildly, wildly dishonest. On this same day that CNN is pushing that poll to signify that Elizabeth Warren is on the rise and Bernie Sanders is falling. There's a USA Today poll, pretty good poll, USA Today Suffolk, showing Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren in a distant third place. You have it right there. Biden at 30, Sanders at 15, Elizabeth Warren at 9%. So why is it that CNN, I didn't watch MSNBC, but I'm sure they're doing the same thing. Why is it that they have, a, it seems that they're choosing polls that show Elizabeth Warren in second place when there's a poll out today from a very reputable polling outlet, USA Today in Suffolk, showing Elizabeth Warren in the single digits. Now, I want to be clear. Elizabeth Warren is rising in the polls. There are a lot of polls that show her rising, but there are also a lot of other polls showing very clearly, very clearly, that Bernie Sanders is the strongest candidate to go up head to head against Donald Trump. 47% for Bernie, 35% for Trump. That's 12 points. Bernie's beating Trump. Biden, 11 points, Biden's beating Trump. I expect that number to go down when Bi when Trump starts coining Joe Biden as NAFTA Joe and TPP Joe. Because trust me, those Rust Belt states, Joe Biden's going to slide once they know about his NAFTA and TPP love. But Bernie's up by 12 points. Warren's beating Trump in, in the same poll by 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 40, six points. Kamala Harris, six points. So... Bernie, by objective measures, is in a stronger position than Elizabeth Warren. 
It doesn't mean Elizabeth Warren doesn't have room to grow. But currently speaking, Bernie in the in, in the in, in the totality of polls is in a better position than Elizabeth Warren. Yet CNN is pushing a Monmouth poll that shows Elizabeth Warren one point above Bernie and using that as a narrative to say, Elizabeth Warren's on the rise. Well, why is it that the corporate media all of a sudden is trying to push Elizabeth Warren? Could it have something to do with maybe, oh, she's not talking about Medicare for all on the campaign trail a lot. Oh, when she answers in the New York Times, she basically gives a big word salad saying, oh, there's a lot of different pathways and blah, 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 but she barely mentions Medicare for all. And it's not just CNN choosing to do polls that show Warren above Bernie. You know, if, if CNN wanted to do that, they should at least ethically be like, but in another poll out today, she's in third place. Be honest with your audience. Don't cherry pick which polls you want to show because it shows a narrative and it shows Bernie Sanders on the slide, which is what CNN is trying to do. They'll do anything to make it seem like Bernie's lost his mojo and Bernie Sanders has no chance because the media is part of rigging the political primary system. They are part of setting in a narrative that this candidate has, has a shot or this candidate is electable and that one isn't. And now you have the Democratic establishment. Centrists are starting to warm up to Elizabeth Warren. This is from Politico. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read you one quote. One is a democratic capitalist narrative, said Matt Bennett, co-founder of Third Way, a centrist think tank that convened a conference of party insiders in South Carolina this week designed to warn about the risks of a nominee whose views are out of the political mainstream. The other is a socialist narrative. If you don't know what Third Way is, Bernie Sanders advisor Warren Gunnell says it best. Third Way's big idea Give Wall Street a ton of taxpayer cash managing private retirement accounts it's instead of expanding Social Security. In 2011, their big idea was to make massive cuts to Social Security. That's not center left. That's pro Wall Street. Yep. Well, it makes sense because Third Way is largely funded by Wall Street. Third Way is basically just as bad as the Center for Phony American Progress. So Third Way, which isn't backing a candidate political right, Politico writes, famously torpedoed Warren in a widely read 2013 op-ed that exposed the party's ideological fissures on entitlements. Quote, nothing would be more disastrous for Democrats than to adhere to Warren's brand of economic populism, wrote two of the think tank's leaders in a piece that drew condemnation from progressives. Today, however, Third Way is learning to live with Warren, even as it embarks on a mission to ensure the Democratic nominee won't stray too far from the left. Jim Kessler one of the authors of the 2013 piece warning that Warren would lead the party off a populist cliff raved about the senator's performance last weekend at the Black Economic Alliance Forum. Quote, Elizabeth Warren kills it at the Black Economic Alliance Candidate Forum. Love her entre entrepreneurship fund. Quote, I don't agree with Medicare for all. I don't agree with free college, but her consumer protection policies are great. I think she has a good infrastructure plan, said self-described moderate Democrat Reagan Gray, a healthcare policy and political consultant, attending the Third Way Conference. 
I absolutely know and believe people are taking a second look at her. She now seems to be getting herself away from the Bernie Sanders grouping. People are taking a second look at her and saying, hmm, some of her policies are good. Maybe she isn't like Bernie. Jen Psaki, who served as White House Communications Director in the Obama administration, said moderates who might have been turned off by Warren in the past are now giving her a chance. Quote, I think there was a perception, and I'm not saying it's accurate, that she would only be able to speak to liberal parts of the country, Psaki said. But, but skeptics now increasingly view Warren as an alternative to Bernie Sanders on the progressive wing of the party and also someone, when you listen to her policies, they're palatable to people who wouldn't have thought they were palatable to them. Well, why exactly is Elizabeth Warren's policies palatable to the establishment? Why are they now suddenly palatable to the establishment? Maybe the establishment is starting to get the little wink and the nod that she's willing to make deals with the establishment. And she's not going to fight as hard as Bernie Sanders for Medicare for all or free public college or those things. It's not like corporate Democratic establishment suddenly had an epiphany and is like, you know what? We think Elizabeth Warren, we like those progressive economic policies. And you know what? We really think she's right about Wall Street and we, we need to take it to Wall Street. It's not like they suddenly had a, a eureka moment here, folks. So between Jen's story, which you should go read and share, I got to tell you, uh, you know, when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. She was missing an action in 2016 on Bernie first Hillary. She was missing an action on Standing Rock. She voted for a $715 billion defense budget, which to me is immoral that we're spending our money on that. I think she's got a lot of questionable views, but besides her policy, something that people haven't looked at, and by the way, I don't mean to minimize it because she's a smart, smart woman, and I think she is progressive on a lot of issues, but this whole nonsense of her I have a plan thing, a lot of her plans are other people's plans rehashed. Her idea for a wealth tax of 2% on people making more than $50 million. Bernie Sanders has been calling for a wealth tax since the 1990s. This is not, she's not reinventing the wheel of, I have a plan. I'm not saying none of her plans are original. She does have some good plans. I am totally with her on breaking up Facebook, Amazon, and Silicon Valley companies. I am totally with her on strengthening up and actually enforcing our antitrust laws, which we don't enforce. And that's why we have monopolies like Amazon putting out small businesses. But a lot of her plans are, are not like brilliant things that she came up with from scratch. The wealth tax is Bernie's plan. Bernie Sanders plan calls for canceling a lot of student debt. So all I'm saying is I think there's a lot of media hyping of Elizabeth Warren that when you look at it objectively, eh, eh, uh, the Joe Biden train, 
the boat, the Joe Biden train uh, that will lead us to four more years of Donald Trump. Uh, it's it's going, it's going, and in in just 24 hours, uh, Joe Biden uh, basically bent down and gave blowjobs to rich people in New York City. Excuse my French, uh, and uh, you know cheered on some segregationists. So just another Tuesday for middle class Joe, right? Former Vice President Joe Biden told a roomful of well-heeled donors on Tuesday night that he wouldn't demonize the rich if he's elected president in 2020. I need you very badly, he told the group. Good. You know, I will say this about Joe Biden. You know, Hillary Clinton tried to hide her corruption. She tried to hide her corruption behind closed doors, private speeches. She didn't want to give up the transcripts. Joe Biden is not hiding it. He has no shame whatsoever. If, if rich people will give him money, he'll do just about anything they ask him to do. And Joe Biden is inviting members of the press to these fundraisers, so he knows what he's saying is going to get out there, and he doesn't care. Because at his core, he's a Republican country club member. To say, I need you very badly... Ugh, this is, this is the way somebody like Mitt Romney would talk or Paul Ryan addressing the 100 or so guests at a fundraiser at the swanky Carlisle Hotel in New York City. Biden said he'd gotten into hot soup with, quote, some of the people on my team on the Democratic side for his earlier comments about rich people being, quote, just as patriotic as poor people. Oh, yeah. It's those rich people that fight the wars, right? That's not a joke, he said. I mean... We may not want to demonize anybody who has made money. Appearing to suggest that his tax plan would not include excessive taxes on the rich, Biden said, no one's standard of living changes if he's elected. The truth of the matter, quote, the truth of the matter is, you all know, you all know in your gut what has to be done. We could disagree in the margins, but the truth of the matter is, it's all within our wheelhouse, and nobody has to be punished. No words, no one standard of living will change. Nothing would fundamentally change. How's that for a campaign slogan? How is that for a campaign slogan? Nothing will fundamentally change. Joe Biden might as well say, if, I, if you elect me president, meaning if you give me all your money, I am going to deregulate the financial industry just like we did in the 90s. I'm going to give you, you like your tax cuts, you like your uh, subsidies I give you now, you wait till I'm elected president because you're getting more. You elect me president, we're going to have a parade down Pennsylvania Avenue or whatever is in D.C. to celebrate you Wall Street patriots. I need you badly. No one's standard of living will change. Does this guy understand that the country has moved radically left? What an arrogant, elitist, wealthy asshole. And, he, and again, I credit him. At least he's not hiding it. He's outwardly just bending over and saying... Give me what you got. 
Biden added, Biden added that though income inequality is a considerable problem that plagues the United States, the rich are not the enemy that's to blame for the wealth clap, he said. When we have income, uh, income inequality as large as we have in the U.S. today, it brews and foments political discord and basic revolution. Not a joke, not a joke. It's, it allows demagogues to step in and say the reason where we are is because of the other. You're not the other. I need you very badly. I hope if I win this nomination, I won't let you down. I promise you, I have a bad reputation. I, I will always say what I mean. The problem is I sometimes say all that I mean. Well, Bloomberg's Jennifer Epstein described the scene at Tuesday's fundraiser. Affluent donors, including former Treasury Secretary Robert Rubin, ugh, and former Deputy Treasury Secretary Roger Altman, both Bill Clinton's boys, tucked into hors d'oeuvres, hors d'oeuvres like lobster, chicken, satay, and crudites. The group is well-dressed, Epstein said, most of them in suits. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you, middle-class Joe, if you don't want to demonize Wall Street and you don't want to demonize the rich, who is it that caused the income inequality? Did we just get income inequality by chance? Uh, did, did, you know, did this, did this chart and this hoarding of money since 1980 to the top 1% while the rest of us took a nosedive there? Income inequality, did that just happen? You know, somebody pressed the wrong button on a computer. How did, how did this income inequality happen? If it's not, if the wealthy can't be demonized and the people on Wall Street, you know, they can't be demonized and you guys are just great guys. I need you very badly. How did it happen, Joe? Explain it to me. Russia did it. That's a good one. Yeah, maybe Russia did it. Maybe it was Russia, the Chinese. I mean, honestly, this is fucking revolting. Fucking revolting. And if, oh my God, if I, if, if you let me, if you fund me to get up in Joe Biden's face, you're not going to, well, you might really like what you have to see. And I might never get into a political event again. Because let me tell you something. Some of you are not going to like this. But I got to be honest. Joe Biden is 10 times worse than Hillary Clinton. 10 times worse than Hillary Clinton. He's got a longer record than Hillary Clinton. He is more brazenly for the wealthy. And he doesn't even care to hide it. Joe Biden wouldn't do a damn thing for Flint. He wouldn't do a damn thing for downtrodden communities. He is a racist at his core, as I'm about to show you. He is down with the military industrial complex. And Joe Biden, yeah, you want to know something? He might be very successful at making compromise with Republicans and bringing us back to the good days of compromise. Now, you know what those compromises are going to give you? You're going to get more of the same. I give you welfare reform in the 90s. I give you the crime bill. I give you repealing Glass-Steagall. I give you deregulating the media industry. I give you the Patriot Act. I give you um, the bankruptcy bill. A deal to extend the Bush tax cuts. 
This is what compromise and bipartisanship gives you. Crumbs for the proletariat and hors d'oeuvres for the 1%. Let me tell you something, folks. If Joe Biden wins the general election, excuse me, wins the nomination, he is going to lose worse than Hillary Clinton. And you want to know how I know that? Because he's Hillary Clinton with a penis, only a bigger one, if that makes sense. You know what? You could call Trump what you want, and he's a terrible person, he's a terrible president, and we can't afford four more years of him. But he had 20,000 people out at his first presidential rally yesterday in Orlando. He has not lost his base because as president, he has only made decisions to keep his base. And his base is very large, and they're very energetic, and they're not exactly all sane. So Donald Trump is going to get that base out. Donald Trump did have, I believe the number was close to 20,000 people there last night. The only candidate that I think could actually pick off some of Donald Trump's voters is Bernie Sanders. You want to know how I know that? Because the polls show Bernie Sanders does incredibly well among blue-collar, non-college-educated workers in, all, in, the, in the Midwest states. Those are the voters that put Donald Trump in the White House. Blue-collar, not college-educated voters. You could say what you want about those voters, but that's a huge portion of the Rust Belt, and Bernie Sanders is polling very well with those people. I did a video about that last week. So you're going to run a candidate like Joe Biden, Joe Biden, who cannot even fill out a bingo hole? There's empty seats in a bingo hole to go see Joe Biden? I'm being comical, but he's not filling out 20. He can't get, it's hard for him to get 500 people, much less 20,000 people. It's the same thing Hillary Clinton had. Joe Biden is not going to inspire a, a revolutionary or, or a historic turnout. Hillary Clinton got 6%, count it, 6% less Latino voters to come out for her in 2016 than Obama had in 2012. 6% less Latino when there was a Republican nominee calling Mexicans drug lords and rapists when he was talking about putting up a wall around Mexico. So inspiring voters actually is a thing. You have to inspire voters. Joe Biden Oh my God, can you imagine Trump on the debate stage with him, calling him TPP Joe, calling him NAFTA Joe, saying, oh, Joe was begging Wall Street donors, I need you badly. Joe Biden is a disaster. Yet, if you didn't see this yesterday, every single body wants to bury their heads in the sand. Thank you, Colin Tooley, for this amazing graphic. There's Joe and his wife, Mika Brzezinski, heads buried in the sand. Don Lemon, head buried in the sand. Jake Tupperware, heads buried in the sand. Donald Trump sitting in the sand. Joe Biden sitting in the sand. Bernie Sanders standing tall. So everybody, let's bury your heads in the sand. Let's not look at the polls that show Bernie Sanders is the best candidate to go up against Donald Trump. Let's ignore the fact that Joe Biden is literally Hillary Clinton with different body parts. Let's ignore the fact that... Joe Biden is basically bending over and doing sexual favors for Wall Street bankers at a time with unprecedented hate for Wall Street. Let's just ignore all that because, you know, 
calling Trump the Antichrist, having no actual policies, and literally, literally saying with your words, nothing will material, there will be no material change. And saying out loud, no one standard of living will change, he told Wall Street bankers. That's a great idea to take down Donald Trump. Let's go with that guy. I mean, you really can't make this up. It's almost like they're trying to lose. It's almost like they're trying to lose. But Joe Biden did a little bit more in the last 24 hours than just tell Wall Street, I'm going to suck your dick if you elect me president. And Jen's going to yell at me for being so crass. And maybe I deserve it. Former Vice President Joe Biden pointed Tuesday evening to two segregationist senators as examples of colleagues he could work with during an era where at least there was some civility. During a fundraising event in New York, the Democratic presidential candidate recounted being a member of the Senate in the 1970s with Southern Democrats who opposed civil rights and desegregation. He specifically named Mississippi Senator James Eastland and Georgia Senator Herman Timodge, who Biden called, quote, one of the meanest guys I ever knew. I was in a caucus with James O. Eastland. He never called me boy. He always called me son, Biden told donors. Well, guess what? At least there was some civility. We got things done, Biden said. We didn't agree on much of anything. We got things done. We got it finished. Yeah, you know, I'll work with those segregationists if, if we'll get things done. I mean, honestly, you cannot even make this shit up. This man is a racist. This man, I don't have the quote in front of me, literally said in the 1970s, uh, I don't believe in giving the black man, uh, no, excuse me, he said the Negro, a leg up in order to give them a, a head start. I mean, who, who is this person? He also, by the way, ladies, he also has said in the 1970s, I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. Should we just say, oh, you know, people evolve. He, he thought, you know, men should control women's body in the 1970s. And he referred to black people as the Negroes in the 1970s. And now in the, in the 2010s, he's talking about, um, you know, he's talking about, you know, doing good stuff with segregationists. He says all this, by the way, he says all this at the same time he condemns Trump for, uh, you know, saying there's, there's good people on both sides talking about the Charlottesville neo-Nazis. Well, it doesn't exactly take political courage to come out against the neo-Nazis with tiki torches. But are you kind of brain dead to think that you're not yourself being racist? by speaking with rich people about, oh, I miss those good old days where we could just, where I could just be civil and work with these segregationists against black people. Iceberg right ahead. And by the way, when Biden's campaign was asked about this today, because it got out, obviously, they wouldn't answer. Cory Booker, of all people, came out against Joe Biden over this. And I got to tell you something, folks. I don't like doing this because I like Bernie Sanders, but when I have to be firm, I will be. 
Here is Bernie's tweet on the matter. I agree with Cory Booker. This is especially true at a time when the Trump administration is trying to divide up, divide us up with its racist appeals. I don't even think that's strong enough, to be honest with you, but at least he said something. So Bernie tweeted it out and uh, tweeted out Cory Booker calling for Joe Biden to apologize. I still don't think that's strong enough. You got to call out Joe Biden by name if you're Bernie Sanders, not just for, you know, elevating segregationists, but for basically, I mean, what do you call this other than figuratively giving sexual favors to Wall Street bankers? Uh, Are we going to sit here, Bernie, and say, well, you know, let the voters decide? No, it's you as a candidate who has to inform the voters that this is unacceptable. We cannot, A, have a person like this as the nominee because he's going to lose to Donald Trump. But B, we can't have a person like this who's basically telling Wall Street how great they are and how we need them badly and how they're just, they've broken their necks to get where they are because none of that is true. Are there, are there people on Wall Street that have worked hard to get to where they are? Sure. They're not all, you know, terrible people. But it is re, re you know, Joe Biden is saying this stuff. The 2008 global financial crash is not like 50 years ago. It's 11 years ago. And most of us still feel it. So I don't know what you're waiting for. I really don't. And you and Bernie Sanders played nice in, in 2016. And I understand he wants to run a campaign on policies and inspiring and revolution. But this is politics. And you got you got to be fighting against your opponents, too. And you're doing it not call not because you think he's a mean person, but you would be doing it based on policy. It is frankly disgusting that Joe Biden, forget the fact that he's taking their money. That That's obvious. But the things he's saying to these Wall Street people, basically, you know, with a straight face saying, oh, income inequality, basically, how did this income inequality happen as, as everybody passes the, you know, uh, the, hot dog, the hot dog wieners and caviar and champagne? It happened because of this financial group. Gordon Gekko said in the 1980s, greed is good. Ronald Reagan deregulated Gordon Gekko's industry and Wall Street was unleashed. It's not complicated how income inequality has happened. They deregulated Wall Street. They bashed the unions. They peeled off the regulations on money and politics. They did the trade. They traded the people in the Midwest and all over this country's jobs to China and Mexico. That's how it happened, folks. I really hope Bernie Sanders comes to fight in that first debate. I hope he doesn't do this ham sandwich approach that says, oh, you know, Joe's a friend of mine, but, you know, we have some disagreements. No. Bernie, you're not getting any younger. This is the last go around. You either come out and you fight and you say, with all due respect, Joe, you're sitting there, you know, basically playing footsie with Wall Street bankers that took down this economy. You literally told them there will be no, what did he say? No one's standard of living will change. Nothing would fundamentally change. I mean, I better hear that from Bernie Sanders or he deserves to lose. If he's not willing to fight, if he's not willing to point out to the, Bernie, you should know, CNN is not going to point these things out. The New York Times is not going to point these things out. They might do a quick write-up about it, but that's it. They're not going to harp on it because they don't care. 
Triana be fine. That's not smear politics. It's not smear politics to point out your opponent's record. It, it's, it's not a smear. If, if, if the facts are on your side, it's not a smear to say, listen, Joe, you're a nice guy. You know, we're friends. But the people you're hanging out with have brought down this global economy. The people you're begging for money and say, oh, I need you badly. And, oh, you know, you deserve where you've gotten. And, oh, uh, nothing's going to change. Your standard of living won't change. That's not smear politics. That's calling, calling it. If he wants to say it and he wants to talk like this and he wants to basically bend over for Wall Street, then he needs to defend it.